This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Matthew Lohr, Chief of the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with NRCS Chief Matt Lohr next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Virginia's Matthew Lohr is one of many farmers serving farmers under the leadership of Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue at USDA. Lohr is the first chief of the Natural Resources Conservation Service in 25 years to come straight from the farm to take the reins of the agency. He says the buzz about sustainability is renewing interest in conservation programs. Sustainability is being able to keep an agricultural operation viable for that next generation. And when you think about how that relates to conservation, they they truly go hand in hand. I mean, if you're a farmer and you're protecting your natural resources, placing your land in conservation easements and all of those things that will ensure that your farm and those resources will be available for future generations, uh, you're taking steps to be sustainable. So to me, I think that when we talk about good conservation, it really plays into what sustainability means. And so it makes it easy to pitch conservation when you can tie it together because that buzzword, people care. They want it to be sustainable. They want to know what are we doing for the next generation, and that's exactly what the work that NRCS does. It's it's conservation, protecting resources for future generations. In history of farm programs, when there needed to be budget savings, it was pretty common to go to the conservation title. Mm-hmm. So with this new interest in how food is produced and where it's coming from, is this giving new attention to NRCS and the conservation title in the farm bill? Are you Are you moving up in significance, do you think? I actually actually do. You know, as we look across programs within the federal government, you know, a lot of programs have taken pretty substantial cuts. But when you look at the Farm Bill and especially the the conservation title, um, there were no cuts. I mean, Congress appreciates and recognizes the work that our agency does and the work that our producers are doing. And, you know, we they didn't create any new Farm Bill programs, but they didn't take any away. But the, the dollars are still there. I mean, our EQIP, Environmental Quality Incentives Program, kind of the, the hallmark of what we do, that cost-share program, I mean, we're looking at up close to $2 billion a year uh, over the life of, life of the Farm Bill each year. It's just one of our programs. I mean, they recognize it. The other thing that's cool, the Farm Bill recognizes the efforts that we're making for urban agriculture, uh, the efforts we're making for beginning farmers. So I think that's really cool when we look at some some new areas we can explore or some new folks that are coming into the industry. Um, you know, another one of our very successful programs, RCPP, it's a regional conservation partnership program where it targets certain watersheds and it brings in a lot of partners. Uh, the money we invest gets multiplied three and four times over, but the real emphasis is is on water quality and again stewardship 
that program, again, is a set-aside, standalone program, now funded, uh, dedicated funding for the first time in this farm bill. So I say that to say this, that uh, Congress appreciates the work that we're doing, and I think the more folks are involved in that sustainability word that you mentioned, it certainly is good for us that are helping producers put conservation on the ground. From the view of Washington to agriculture, I think some farmers and ranchers have had the opinion that EPA had the heavy hand Mm -hmm. and NRCS was the voluntary organization that had Mm -hmm. boots on the ground that was getting things done. So how's the relationship between the NRCS of USDA and this EPA under the Trump administration? I have to say truly one of the the highlights of my time here in D.C. over the past seven months is is the involvement that we've had with EPA. Now, I'm a poultry farmer from the Shenandoah Valley, Virginia, and I can think back 20 years ago when a lot of these uh, Chesapeake Bay issues were surfacing. And, you know, 20 years ago, the relationship between the farmers and EPA it was not always the most harmonious, if you will. Uh, you know, EPA was seen to have the heavy hand. They wanted to impose regulations, and farmers were fearful in many ways. But I have to say I've been so impressed with the leadership at EPA and the, the ability that they have to want to cooperate with USDA. Um, they've created a, a water subcabinet. Uh, my boss, Undersecretary uh, Bill Northey, and his counterpart over at EPA, his name is David Ross, that they have developed quite a relationship and a friendship. And this water subcabinet is composed of about seven or eight different federal agencies that all have ties to water issues. This group meets about every other week. And they really roll up their sleeves. And there's regulatory agencies and voluntary agencies like us that all work together for the good of protecting water but ensuring the viability of agriculture. So for all those farmers and ranchers across the country that may be tuning in, uh, my advice is that there's, to me, there's never been a better time where uh, EPA and USDA are really trying to work together. And I hope it continues. You know, things change with every administration, but we're really firing on all cylinders right now. I'm not sure that consumers really understand all of the work of the NRCS. But I would back up with one other side of the question. Do you think farmers in the country today, farmers and ranchers, do you think they're aware of all of the programs and all of the work that NRCS is doing that they either are or could take advantage of? I would say this. Clearly, NRCS is an extremely diverse agency that we supply a tremendous amount of needs. And in my time as chief I've traveled through 24 states and get to see uniquenesses to how our agency serves our producers. Uh, there's a lot that we offer, but clearly being able to have a stronger presence and a stronger outreach to engage more farmers is certainly a, a priority of mine. And I think some of the ways we can really do that is by helping our producers who are engaged in what we do to tell their friends and neighbors. I mean, farmers trust farmers more than, than government employees. And so, you know, we, we have efforts here in D.C. that we're working with our states for social media and campaigns that we do. But really, it comes down to our farmers being able just to share openly with their neighbors and their friends about what they're doing. Uh, NRCS is so diverse. We have close to 10,000 employees and 2,500 offices uh, across the country and a $4.5 billion budget each year that we get to administer. There's lots of ways that we can serve. And, and I tell people that NRCS has a program for you, no matter where you're located or what type of operation you have or what your resource concern may be. We've got a program to help. So 
we could always do better, and I, I really hope that we can continue to engage the agricultural community so they can see the work that we're doing. I'm going to steal the phrase from uh, Senator Pat Roberts again that agriculture has been at a rough patch. It's been a really mm-hmm. rough patch, difficult yeah. time in agriculture. How is that affecting participation in your programs? You know, when you say it's been a rough patch, there's a there's a lot of causes to that, right? And certainly this year has been one of the most challenging years in agriculture that I've ever seen, especially as I've traveled throughout the countryside, up and down the whole Midwest, and to see the amount of, of acres that honestly never got planted and won't get planted this year. But then you travel down to southern Georgia and you see land that's in a severe drought. It's been it's been a unique year, uh, to say the least. I think that for those folks that have been affected by disasters, especially those that have been involved with the prevented planted acres and the, the tremendous amount of water, uh, the, the damage that comes from hurricanes and floods, certainly there's a, a, a great interest in the work that we do along with uh, the Farm Service Agency. We've got programs that really, really are geared to help them on their operations. So when there's times of disaster and need, I think that's when the government can really step up and, and, and shine. But, you know, you mentioned also for our dairy producers, for example. I mean, the economies of the dairy industry are extremely challenging, as well as other parts of agriculture. The thing about um, what we do is is really being able to, to walk hand-in-hand hand with our producers. Good conservation also makes good financial sense. So even though a farmer may be in a very tough economic downturn, I think it's, it's certainly worth a look at the programs that we offer to help provide that technical assistance, uh, the financial assistance to improve their operations. And even though it may be a, a tough time financially, I think we can still be there to assist. So really the interest in our programs continues to grow, especially in those disaster areas. But uh, good conservation makes good financial sense and certainly would encourage producers to come in and take a look and see how we can serve them. With the flooding that has been seen and is still ongoing, has NRCS been able to step in and help those producers? And then the second part is that with the the rains and with the flooding and what we have endured, are there existing structures and others that have been damaged? Do you have the funds to go back and help producers, you know, reestablish those uh, those practices that were put in place on soils. People ask me what has surprised me about my time as chief, and I would say one of those surprises has been just how involved we are in disaster relief efforts. Uh, one of our biggest programs is called EWP. It's the uh, Emergency Watershed Protection Program. Uh, this program, we spend literally hundreds of millions of dollars each year to help. Uh, we have to find a sponsor. Typically, it's more of a public entity, a, a community it's not really geared for actual farmers, but we help communities that have damages from floods and, and disasters, whether it's cleaning out canals and bridges or debris removal. When it threatens life and property, EWP dollars can be used to, to help clean up communities, which can have a huge impact uh, on, on producers and, and the general public as well. That's probably our biggest disaster program, but also EQIP that I mentioned earlier, it's not really designed for a disaster program, but certainly in times of need, most states will do like a special equip sign-up where we can come in and, and really help producers, whether it's mortality disposal or being able to put back conservation practices on the ground to be able to help them in those situations kind of get back on the ground. When you mentioned this past year, we have been able to work closely with, the, with RMA, the Risk Management Agency, 
as far as dealing with these prevented planted acres, those folks that were not able to, to get their crops planted because of the wet grounds, part of that opens up a new opportunity for producers to plant cover crops this year. In, in lieu of their traditional corn, soybeans, the crops they couldn't get in the ground, instead of letting that, that land sit fallow all year, we're encouraging them to plant cover crops and being able to hold that soil in place and get some soil growth and, and some positive benefits from it. Um, several states that we've been able to have some special equip sign-ups for cover crops to give them some cost share money to make that happen. We didn't have enough money to roll out a, a national program, but I think eight states have been able to offer some money through special signups to help engage them. So, again, it's uh, there's lots of lots of disasters that happen across the country, and I'm, I'm happy that NRCS can be there to really step up and, and help our producers. Here's one of the realities of agriculture today. Sometimes or more often there are landowners who are not in the same zip code. Is that affecting participation? So there's lots of scenarios where you have folks that own the land and control the land that aren't actually, um, that are living on the farm, farming it. And so, yeah, it does create some challenges because if you're not... I guess if you're not farming for a living, you kind of lose that connection and that passion for conservation. Another key obstacle that we have is if I'm renting someone's land, maybe lives in the city and they own this land, um, it's hard to convince the owner sometimes to install some long-term conservation practices because they may do just a year-to-year lease and they may not want to engage in in a three- or five-year contract. So as a farmer, it's hard to invest in those cost share dollars to, to place buffer strips or whatever it may be, cross-fencing, whatever the practice may be. If you only have that land from, from year to year, it's hard to make that investment. So we, we do see that challenge affect our programs. And, again, it's it's being able to help convince the owner of that property, again, that good conservation makes good financial sense, and so how can we encourage them to work with those renters to make sure that they can, can both be successful in those practices? A lot of innovation is coming to this industry. So from your perspective, how important is new technology to the effort now to preserve our natural resources? I think technology is really going to be the key that's going to continue to take us to the next level. I love precision agriculture. When you can look at the equipment today, I'm, I'm kind of a, an equipment geek. When I travel across the country and visit these farms and see the, the types of equipment they have, uh, the auto steer and the GPS and just the size and the scope and the precision that they can farm, it's amazing how that impacts not only the bottom line financially, but impacts conservation. I just came from Arizona last week where irrigation really is is king as far as the issues go. Water is a precious resource all across the country, and the technologies that are being made in irrigation are really incredible to reduce the amount of water being used conserving that natural resource. So it's exciting to work hand-in-hand with the makers of those technologies to to really help our farmers be the best stewards they can be. Do you have a list of priorities yourself for expanding conservation practices, and and, and what message would you share with landowners and, and those who are in the soil about your agency and the work that can uh, collaboratively help improve the, the natural resources of the country? The first thing I, I want to 
we'll make sure that, that farmers know is the, the person leading NRCS is a farmer. He's one of them. He, he understands the challenges and the issues. Certainly, uh, my number one priority this year is implementing the Farm Bill. My second week on the job, the president signed the Farm Bill into law, and so we've been working diligently all year and will continue on into the fall to get the rules and regulations written that can help us implement the Farm Bill in the most efficient manner. The thing that I hear from our farmers as I travel across the country is they like what we do, but they would love to be able to make the process a little bit easier to streamline that process. And so we're working hard to, to cooperate with Farm Service Agency to invest in new uh, equipment and, and uh, computer programming to, to make it easier for a farmer to work between the two agencies to, to make our programs be more streamlined, to be able for a farmer to be out in the field and sign a document or, or a contract without having to necessarily come into the office to sign. A, a big initiative we have is make sure we have the right number of staff to serve the needs. And so we've been working all year through these work cycle time studies, having employees go through periods where they record exactly the work they do to the practices it can be tagged to to quantify the, the work that needs to be done to make sure that we have the right number of staff in place to better serve them. We're working on making sure that our staff has the proper training and looking at developing a mentorship program for new employees to make sure they understand agriculture in the area that they live, again, so they can provide that that higher level of customer service. And, and I guess finally I would say, you know, being able to cooperate, we're part of the FPAC, the Farm Production and Conservation Mission Area, led by Undersecretary Northey. Farm Service Agency, Risk Management Agency, and NRCS. The cooperation we have between those three agencies is, uh, it's new to this administration being housed together, but it allows us to really work together on a weekly basis that we're in communication to better serve our, our customers across the country. There has been ongoing debate of whether participation in NRCS <clears throat> programs should remain voluntary or mm-hmm. if it should become mandatory. Can you be successful in sustainable efforts and conservation practices by allowing landowners to voluntarily participate? Absolutely. Uh, I believe strongly in voluntary conservation. It's the hallmark of what this agency has stood for for um, over 80 years. It, it's who we are. And I see it demonstrated every single day when you can be a partner when you can work hand-in-hand with our producers to provide technical assistance, put plans together to address the concerns, and then provide the financial cost-share dollars, it's extremely successful. And even though Congress allocates $4.5 billion to us each year, we could still use more. There's still more of a demand out there to help our farmers be successful. Regulations are expensive. They're expensive to enforce. Farmers don't like it. So that's what I said earlier. The cooperation and collaboration that we have now with EPA has been so rewarding. Even they understand voluntary conservation is extremely important in helping us to meet our, our goals. So absolutely, I'm a complete and total believer in voluntary conservation. And as long as Congress keeps allowing us to have the funds to make it happen, we're going to continue uh, making great strides across the country. Chief Laura, has been a wonderful opportunity to have you on this uh, edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you have the last word today. 
Well, certainly thank you for the opportunity to come and share. Uh, serving as chief of this agency is, is truly the highlight of my career. I've been a state commissioner of agriculture and a state legislator in Virginia, but to, to lead this agency as chief and work with our great employees across the country is a tremendous honor. Uh, the two things I would say is that NRCS has a program to help your agricultural operation, no matter what state you live in, no matter what your background is, no matter what your resource concerns are, we're there to help. And I would certainly encourage our folks to reach out to the local USDA service center. Our staff will be more than happy to take a look and see how they can serve you. Uh, the second thing, more maybe more to the to the broader audience, good conservation makes good financial sense. It's the right thing to do, but it also makes financial sense. And when we can really focus on improving our soil health, it gives us better yields. It provides better forages to graze our cattle. And it makes sense all the way around being able to protect land for future generations, placing conservation easements on properties. All of those things make great financial sense. So when you think about the world of climate change and those heavy issues that are taking place, NRCS is at the forefront driving that change, helping our producers be successful and really being a positive component to the equation. Our thanks to Matthew Lord, Chief of the USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service, our guest this week on The Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.